Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Kate Wested on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. Are you in Minnesota today? I am. I am. And I'm giggling a little bit because it's fall here for sure. What's your temperature? Beautiful. Right now? What are you about? Oh, 70? gosh. I want to say like maybe even 65. But oh. it's, go- it's gorgeous. The leaves are turning. So. It's beautiful. You, now you, you, I guess you're from there. I mean, I don't know. I know you went to college there. Did you grow <laughs> up there too as a high school as a kid? Where where did yeah, what give me the family story? Yeah, I mean, I currently live maybe 15 miles from where I grew up. So I've oh, made good. it really far in life. Yeah. Um, no, so I've lived <laughs> here my whole life. Um <laughs> You know, which really, when you, you know, start out as a kid and you're thinking about your life picture, you know, this, I certainly didn't think I'd still be living very close right. to where I grew up. And it's a beautiful year, though. I have four kids. And so my kids love it here. And it's amazing. Um, so like I said, I grew up here. I went to college here. I went to law school here. And now I've launched a startup here. How about that? Now, are your folks, so your parents, are they still around are they close to you and did you have any siblings so i have siblings and you know my my sister who i'm very close with she lives in minnesota still and so it's like i think it's kind of that minnesota energy like you really a lot of people grow up here even if they leave they come back you know i think there's just Mm -hmm. something in the air the water but it's mostly about the people okay Uh, and your parents are still alive and close they are still alive. And my sister is, like I said, here in Minnesota. And cool. so. Okay. Okay. Very good. And how, you said siblings, how many kids were in the family? So I grew up in a family of four and now right. I have four kids. So where you know, were you? A, were you? Yeah. Where, where was were you? The middle, in the middle. Was second middle. oldest. Middle. All right. And was, uh, what kind of, talk to us about your, your, your family there a little bit, just so we can get to know you. Was it, um, you know, uh, what'd your dad do? What'd your mom do? Was it, was it super strict or was it a little casual? What kind of atmosphere did you grow up in? Well, I think like a lot of kids who grew up in the eighties and the nineties, I mean, I mean, I don't even know that we came home for lunch, you know, at times, I mean, we'd leave in the morning, come back at Sunset I means certainly was a different time. It's differently than how I raised my kids. I'm in my right. mid forties now. And I think back to those times of growing up, but I think it was also really amazing time to grow up like that because it was really, I was really independent. Um, you know, we grew up in sort of the suburbs of the twin cities. Um, but at that time it was really undeveloped, you know, really small town environment, um, very rural, almost, you know, like I grew up on a dirt road and I remember there was this huge snowstorm, you know, back, I want to say the late eighties in Minnesota. And we, we were snowed in, like we couldn't go to school. And I remember being really disappointed because I was like, I want to go to school. (laughs) What is this? So, I mean, I was like a really adventurous kid. I love to learn how things work, which now I look back as an inventor and I think, Mm -hmm. oh, that's Mm -hmm. interesting. Maybe most kids don't want to change the oil on the lawnmower or, you know, (laughs) in like a motorbike and take things apart um, learn how to change oil in a car. You know, I, I think I looking back now, I think maybe that's not the most normal Interesting. as a kid. I love, love taking things apart and putting things back together. So what, that's what I spent uh, was, a lot of my childhood doing. I see. Okay. And was your mom or dad a lawyer? Where'd the, where'd the law degree no. come from? <laughs> so, I mean, I think I'm just a little bit of a different you know, kind of person in that I just wanted to try everything. I wanted to know how things work. Um, you know, I was really musical as a kid. I was the drum major in band. I was really into art and design. Um, okay. I really was interested in lots of different things. And so I was actually the first person in my family to go to college, let alone wow. go on to graduate school. Yeah. So 
um, you know, I just had this, I think it all boils down to just being a really curious person and like wanting to know how things work. And, and that included, you know, our legal system. And that's what, you know, led me to law school. Your brothers and sisters are like, oh, Kate's always the overachiever. Damn it. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but I think it just is like, I was very curious and I really wanted, you know, there really was no question in my mind that I wanted to go on to college and law school and see the world. Wow. wow. Interesting. Okay. Very good. And so you were a good kid. I mean, for the most part, good grades. No, you didn't get any, no, no revel, no major trouble there in high school. Nothing like I that. I mean, I no. had, I had a little fun that I got in trouble with, you know, but never, <laughs> never, um, you know, outside the family, never got in trouble with school, never got in trouble with the law, okay. you know, was very like, okay. mind your P's and Q's, um, you know, like you say, I really, you know, tried to do my best in whatever I you know, sought to do. And okay. I think when you talk about nature over nurture, it's definitely nature, in my opinion. <laughs> like you're just okay. born a certain way. Okay. And when you were get, getting your undergrad, you knew you were going to law school because you majored in political science. You were like, I'm going to law school. I mean, that was, that was the idea. And then there was a part where I was like, I wanted to really think about this. And I took a year off. I graduated early. I graduated like three and a half years from college. And so then I took some time off before law school to like, I worked at a broker dealer. I waitress at night, you know, to see like what, and take some breathing room and see what I really wanted to do. And in the end, I was like, I really do want to go on to law school. And so I did. Interesting. Okay. Very good. All right. And um, you're, are you now, were you going to law school? When did you get married? When did you have kids? Um, how, what's the timeline there? Cause you, I've noticed that you're, you're very free with, you know, your information. You basically say on your website, I'm a parent of only, you know, I'm the only parent of four kids, which I love when people get personal and make it real and keep it authentic. So uh, talk, talk, talk to me about the timeline. Did you get out of law school first and then you met somebody? How does give me the timeline there? Yeah. So sometimes I don't always share like the most personal things to me, but I do try to be really candid about my, you know, my situation and about what I've gone through as much as I can emotionally tolerate, you know, in the situation, because I think it's so important for people to know that they're not alone and that, you know, other people go through this and they triumph. Um, But I was dating my college sweetheart and then he went to law school also. I ended up getting pregnant in my last year of law school and we had our first child and then got married after that. Like in the first year, I think that I started practicing law and then went on to have three more children. And then he passed away in 2014. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh man. uh, Suddenly, suddenly. And that's the part where I can't, I I just, I'm not there yet. Maybe, maybe in another eight or 10 years, it was just such a traumatic time for my family and then suddenly being kids were little oh yeah like 12 down to four and then suddenly you know you have this traumatic a really tragic traumatic event happen in your life and that's the part that I just can't really talk about yet maybe like I said someday I can but what I do like to share is that I am an only parent you know I have gone through this you know so people know they're not alone and know it's possible to like turn the page and really mm-hmm. still open that box of dreams that you've had your whole life and know mm-hmm. that life is short and go after, you know, those dreams that you've probably put aside. How old are your kids now? So my oldest is 20 and my youngest is 12 and he's in sixth grade. So he's pretty funny. <laughs> he's at a funny, funny age. Is the 20 year old still at home or off to school or out of school? She is at school. Okay. So, so you got three, you got three I, at home. Uh, so right now I only have one at home because my son who is 16 is going to a junior prep school out East oh, and playing football. Cool. Oh, He's cool. just like a super achiever and just like super <laughs> independent, <laughs> which I can relate to. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I think it's hard sometimes to let your kids fly, especially mm. when they're younger, but I'm so glad I have. He's, he's a tremendous kid. All my kids are tremendous kids and they all have wonderful strengths, you know, and they've been through a lot. Like they've been through a lot at their young age. No doubt. You and them both. Right. I mean, yeah, everything that happened, uh, you know, with their dad and then. um, okay, so, wow. Some some major 
hurdles and events there uh, for everybody. Uh, you were practicing law at the time. I guess you're walk me through. Are you still practicing? Did you stop practicing to start the company? Walk me through that timeline. I mean, that's like a whole podcast in itself. Yeah, Steve. yeah that's a I whole know. story all by itself. I know. <laughs> we could spend <laughs> hours talking about that. Um, so I had launched just a few months before COVID with Pallet. I was still practicing. I was a 17-year veteran litigation attorney. I had cases all over the United States. You know, I handled dozens and dozens and dozens of you know cases to positive resolutions. Handled seven and eight figure you know, case resolutions, managed teams, you know, so I had a really significant, passionate first career as a litigation attorney. And then, you know, we have this tragic event in my family. I have this whole box of dreams that I haven't opened yet. You know, this box of dreams that I had been thinking about and cultivating and thinking, you know, maybe not in this lifetime, but I was, you know, tracking them and thinking about them constantly. And so, you know, it just didn't, stop, you know, thinking about these other things that I was so excited about. Um, And I became just quite frankly obsessed, you know, so that was sort of the timeline where, you know, I started, you know, thinking about, you know, the palette by PAC project more significantly in the last few years before I stopped practicing, which I have stopped practicing primarily, although, you know, I still have my hands in a few things. Um, uh, But mostly I'm now focused on palette by PAC. And, you know, certainly that started immediately before COVID hit. Uh, interesting. So, man, I'm trying to visualize. So you got four kids. <laughs> you're, a, you're a single parent. You're a litigation attorney, which is a super stressful job. You're traveling. And somehow in your spare time, <laughs> you're you're developing palette and the, the branding and, the you know, the design and everything that's involved with launching a brand. How did... I don't, how did you find the time for that? <laughs> you know, I, I hear one side of the coin where people say moms have so much on their plate. How can you possibly ask them to do something more? How could you possibly say, and I'm not saying it's fair that moms, you know, and dads also, and especially only parents like myself, but I'm, I am saying that if you want to open that box of dreams and do something like you, you got to find the time. And for me, it was not watching TV. It was not kind of watching other people's lives or other people's stories as much and focusing more on my own. So, you know, to me, just stop watching TV and you can probably carve, I don't know, 20 to 30 hours out of your month. Right. Isn't it so so true? Yes. I mean, that's, that's for me, it was a big one. Like, stop watching TV, like stop watching mindless. And not that I don't enjoy TV. I think TV and movies are wonderful. (laughs) And I still, you know, love watching movies with my kids, but that was sort of that mindless numbing one to two hours of TV every night. Like to me that had to go. Isn't it interesting? You know, you're, you're so right. The amount of minutes burned on TV or let's all, let's include, um, uh, mindless videos on your phone or your tablet or whatever. Let's, let's add that all together uh, to where you're not really learning anything. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, BS funny videos, mindless stuff, right? Mind numbing stuff. The amount of minutes people waste on that is really unbelievable. <laughs> It'd be, you're right. And if you just carve that out just a little bit, you could, you could, you could probably do all kinds of things. Uh, couldn't agree more. I love what you said too. Watching other people's lives. Isn't it interesting? And let's tie that into sports. Um, People get, they spend so much time uh, watching other people's lives and careers and worshiping that really, I don't know if worshiping is the right right term, but uh, uh, they spend a lot of time doing that instead of focused on their own life. So I love, I love that. I love the fact that you, you, you uh, carved it out that way. And for me, Like, that's how I viewed it. And not to say that, you know, like sports doesn't create this amazing atmosphere with good vibes and, you know, that people and I'm not judging anyone. But for me, you know, that's what I'm going to say to someone. If you want to carve out time, if you're trying to find time, you know, focusing on yourself (laughs) is always a good thing. 
Totally. Okay. So you're practicing law, by the way, what are you litigating? What kind of cases? Um, oh, so I, uh, I, again, being the curious person that I was, I was like, I want to try everything. And so I landed okay. up working at this general practice firm where they had tons of different kinds of, you know, law practices combined under one roof known as a general practice firm. Um, and so I did anything from family law in the early days to, you know, a bit of defense work, um, some workers comp, uh, I did some securities law. I mean, and then it ran the gamut, it, you know, most, some transactional, but mostly, you know, litigation based. And then I really found my passion by helping injured people. And so, oh. you know, then, because to me, you know, it would combine the best of both worlds where I got to, you know, get to know and tell the stories of these beautiful people who were my clients and mm. then help them. And then also use, you know, my highly or highly developing, you know, lawyer skills. So to me, it was like this perfect, like combination of who I was, okay. you know, um, litigation and like helping people who had themselves mm-hmm. faced tragedy in their lives. Um, that was where I really felt home in the practice of law as the years went on. And then I later started practicing in the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, which is a national wow. program okay. in D.C. That means that, people, you know, there are known adverse reactions to vaccinations and there's actually a national vaccine program that handles those types of claims. So it's not mm-hmm. a very well-known program. Um but it is a national program and there's surcharge on vaccinations that fund this billion dollar vaccine program. And it's a governmental program. A jury litigation or in front of a judge or both? So mostly, I mean, that's a great, great question. Uh, most people don't know that you're not always in front of a jury, you know, that you right. are a right. lot of the time in, especially in motion practice and in, you know, different stages of litigation, whether it's in federal or state court, you're in front of a judge. Um, I would do both. Um, but obviously the highlight I would say of my career was doing jury, jury trials. Uh, I really loved doing it. I didn't like preparing for them (laughs) because it's very intense, but I loved talking to jurors and presenting my client's story. Do you have a Super Bowl moment? Uh, you probably have a few, but is there like a Super Bowl moment like this one? You don't have to give any specific names or anything, but is there a Super Bowl moment where you like, you saved a somebody that was about to go to prison or you, you got, oh, somebody I didn't do, I never got... did criminal law. That oh, okay. is one thing I, I never did try. And okay. Okay. I, it takes a very somebody, special person. Um, I would say somebody, like the... uh... go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Cause I'm just seeing it in my mind. So clearly when you said yeah. that, it just like, I can still see it to this day. Um, it. It's probably the reason that I went into litigation is that actually my last year of law school, I did a law school clinic and it was to help people in housing court, which um, if anyone's ever been to housing court over their lease or to take their landlord to task, it's not a great, it's not great fun. A lot of the, 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 you know, the people leasing the property, they don't have attorneys. They don't know. Um, you know, a lot of them are single moms, um, elderly, Um, disabled. Mm -hmm. And so in the clinic, we would take on clients who, you know, had no resources. And I happened to rep, you know, at this time, I have no children, but I represented a woman who had, you know, three or four children. She was a single mom and we went into housing court and like, this never happened again in my career. Right. I mean, this is not typical, but I get done, you know, I'm, I'm a, a law student. I'm with a supervising attorney and I give my, you know, spiel to the judge. And then she rules in our favor and the entire courtroom stands up screaming yelling applauding going crazy and you know wow it, it i mean obviously that's not normal but it was just one of these things where just the vibe in the room and that kind yeah, of reaction cool. especially as like a student attorney you're like this is i was born to do this how about that okay very good i bet it's been handy being a lawyer uh getting your own company set up i know you got you got some patents you got trademark stuff like did you do all that yourself or did you ask for help well, the smart attorney knows to hire their own attorney. <laughs> you know, those are very highly specialized areas. Um, a patent okay. lawyer, you have to take a separate patent bar. You have to have okay. a STEM degree oh. in order to qualify. Um, okay. There's a reason why they're patent lawyers. So I, I would never suggest, I mean, there's ways you can, you know, do things pro bono. There's lots of, um, you know, there's grants. Mm. There's ways to get help. 
if you can't afford, which I know it's very expensive. So there are ways. And I actually contributed to an article for Martha Stewart, which gives people some of these tips. And so huh? that might be something okay. great to link to the podcast. Cause I, I know not everyone can afford and not everyone has mm-hmm. friends who are patent lawyers to help them get started. And so I think, I think that's a very important article, but no, I hired my own lawyers and it's a tremendous okay. amount of work and money. But I think it's actually one of the most important things you can do if you're inventing something that's novel and that the world has never seen before. Talk to me about the beginnings here. So um, give me the story. And I've heard some of it, but uh, you, you're traveling. You, you got your you got your cosmetics, your makeups. You're looking for containers. Walk, walk us through the beginnings of like, OK, there's got to be something better. I'm going to create something better. Give me the story. Well, I w- it was for my 40th birthday and I was on my way to a solo trip or I wasn't on going intentionally on a solo trip at first. I mean, I was going with one of my law school BFFs and she actually canceled on me a few wait, a few weeks before. And I was like, Oh hell no, I'm still going. And then it turned <laughs> into the solo trip, you know? And so I'm, you know, I'm exhausted. I've been working all day, taking care of the kids. And so I've, I'm not even packed. And so I'm, I'm in my room late at night packing and I'm looking at all my goops, glops and glam, like all my stuff, you know, that I want my beauty stuff that I want to bring in vacation. And I'm like, there just has to be a better way to do this. And literally in that moment, I could see the high fiber. I could literally see the high fiber, like above my head, like, you know, like a little thought bubble I could see it. I could see the colors and I could see the shapes and the size and I could see the name palette. And I was like, oh, I must've seen this somewhere, you know, you know, so I kind of go on this like journey of searching, you know, on my trip, incidentally in France, like I'm thinking about it and I'm searching and I'm I'm like, I must've seen this somewhere because I've really needed this for this trip, you know, and and then I'm realizing, I think I just invented this, you know, like I think I invented this and I'm like, and I just became like, this is the part you can't explain to people. I just became obsessed with the idea because people are like, how do you, like even, you know, like you, what you said earlier, like how, you have all this on your plate and then all yeah. of a sudden you're, <laughs> you're doing a startup and you're inventing something. But it, it, that's the part I can't describe about the obsession. I mean, I knew are that you're drawing, you know, you're making drawings, you're yes. sketching it out, you're doing all kinds of stuff. All right. All right. Yes. And, you know, I, and also I'm on this like eat, pray, love-esque trip to France. I mean, no <laughs> doubt. I mean, that is happening. That's part of the equation. But I really, and then I was boiling it down, like, do I do something like this product idea or do I do a book? Do I do an app? Because I, I mean, I have a lot of ideas about a lot of different things that I want to do. And so it boiled down to, and the kind of the months and, you know, weeks following that trip, like being like, I really need to make this. I need okay. to make it. And that's how and it this is the high fiber. This is the high fiber you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Show us again. Can you t- tell the consumers if they don't know what it is? Can you just tell them what, what it does and describe it? So this is the world's first beauty reusable. So the outdated method of packing all of your beauty, skincare, cosmetics has been that you just buy a single use, you know, what in the last, what I would say, what, 30 to 40 years, you buy single use containers of shampoo, conditioner. Um, And this primarily was designed for skincare, beauty, cosmetics where you just need small amounts, you know, I'd be taking these trips to either France or, you know, I'd be traveling for work and I'd be gone for one or two nights and you just need the perfect amount of your skincare routine or regimen and beauty products. And you don't want to have to take, you don't want to have to take five big bottles of something. So you just, what do you, what do you put, you put like a little bit in each one of those little things. Is that what it is? Yeah, so you just decant, just decant, you know, what your full size products. So we're sustainable startup, um, what I then learned during the process was that those tiny travel bottles, travel size, they don't get recycled. They're such small sizes that most, um, you know, residential recycling programs can't even recycle them. Machine, it's just the machines are not capable. So then you have, you know, sort of this coalescing moment of a small plastic that can't get recycled. They're in hotels. They're being, you know, sold to, you know, I don't know, millions and millions and millions of people a year a year, you know, and how many do people buy a year if you're traveling or how many are you using in a hotel? 50, a hundred. I mean, it starts to really add up and then they float easily in water. Um, that's why New York and California have now banned travel size and hotels. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't even yes. know that. All right. Interesting. Um, okay. So this is, and it's five little containers. Is that why it's called the high fiber? Correct. And our, and is each container called the palette? Is that what it is? When, so I, help me understand. So 
pallet by pack. Is that the name of the company? High fiber is a, is a, uh, the product item. Name. Walk me through. Yeah. I want to make yeah, sure so, I understand. So like I said, when I was having this vision of the, what is now the original high fiber packing for my trip to France, I could see the name pallet so clearly. So I just, pallet had to be the company name. And then my, um, you know, I hired a, this really wonderful guy to help me do branding. And we just kind okay. of got introduced um, between, you know, contacts and like, we got done with our meeting and it was such a great meeting. We gave, we gave each other a high five, you know? So then when we were talking about naming it, that just seemed so obvious, especially because I it was see. this five containers. And that was All like right. part of the original, like even when I met with the industrial designers and the engineers later, and they're talking about the five compartments and they're like, why does it have to be five? I'm like, because it does, <laughs> you know, like this is the vision. This is what it is. And I'm really proud that I stuck to my guns and stuck to my vision. Yeah. Very good. Okay. And is that, is that the one I, so the company is pallet, pallet by pack. High five, yeah. Pallet, pallet by pack. And by the way, for the listeners, it's palletbypack.com, pack P A K palletbypack.com. Um, and is that the one unit you have for now? And are you planning on making other products? What what What's the plan from here? So that's the part that's so exciting yeah, is that right? this is just my first invention. Like we're going to blow yeah. people's minds like mm -hmm. with what we have in store. Um, I have a 30 skew roadmap worked up. What? That intellectual property. Yeah. What? So, 30 skews. Okay. You're going to be a real life product company pretty quick. Yeah. So that's the part that's, you know, that just makes the stars in my eyes, you know, glitter. that's the really exciting part of this story. Do you have another product launching soon? Do you have a timeline on your second product? We're working on it. So right now we're scaling and trying to deal with scaling in this environment. People are like, oh, things are back to normal. COVID's over and all the supply chain issues are over. And I'm like, I don't think so. Cause like we're daily running into things that, you know, I never thought we'd run into, especially as like mm -hmm. a, you know, a startup. Are you selling? I know you're, are you, you're selling on your website. Are you selling, you're selling direct to the consumer on your website? Correct. And so we've been and invited to join several retailers and right now we're deferring until we can get our scaling and supply chain in better order, but it's extremely exciting. And the fact that we've, you know, had this amount of traction direct to consumer and for an inventor, it's just like an inventor's dream to get direct feedback. I mean, people want to say direct to consumer is dead. We got to get into retail. Everyone's swarming even into Walmart, you know, and I'm like, at least for these initial phases, like direct to consumer is like invaluable for a startup and a company building their brand. Couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I don't know who's telling you direct to consumer is dead, but I completely disagree. Are you selling on Amazon as well? We were because of supply chain issues. Now we're, we've been out of stock for a while, but we're in 2023 going to start ramping that back up, which is really exciting. Ooh. Are you out of stock right now on the high fiber? We are on fumes so it's like you know hopefully mm. that'll turn around in the next few months but we have mm. big plans for 2023 okay where are you having them made if you don't mind me asking so right now we're made in the u.s oh. and actually in minnesota but as we scale that's unfortunately gonna have to change and is changing i see but our everything from our US packaging to our unit is made in the united states which is really unheard of and they can't get supplies to you? I figured you were going to tell me there was China China shipping <laughs> issues with materials or something. Oh, well, that's why I'm saying like, these are things that I've never, I wouldn't like, you know, dealing with paper shortages. Um, I mean, it's, it's beyond bananas and we use recycled wow. plastic. So we've had issues with that. Um, I don't know how much you've been tracking this issue, but there's, you know, suddenly, you know, we use 30% recycled. There's a lot of, you know, critique going on and, you know, potential, you know, legislation that's coming down on recycled plastics. I don't know if you've looked at the California Plastics Act, but, you know, they're talking about, you know, dictating personal care, you know, and beauty companies for refillables, you know, which we love to hear. I mean, this is what our game is, you know, Palette by Pack is a sustainable beauty brand. You know, we have 30 SKUs, a huge product roadmap about making beauty reusable. So we're, we're all for these kinds of 
things and momentum that's happening, but, you know, companies aren't just going to be able to say things um, and put, you know, sustainable labels on things without having the meat behind it. And that's where being a lawyer and having the integrity that I have um, as an attorney, um, you, you know, not to do those things. And you, and we've always taken it, you know, very seriously about, you know, what type of products we're making. And that's why, especially Mm -hmm. in the initial phases, make it in the U S was really important to us. So we could trace Uh, our supply chain and materials. Sounds like you need a backup supplier. I mean, I'm not trying to tell you how to run your business. (laughs) No, I mean, we're definitely working on that. I just can't, I'm not at liberty to say what's Uh, going on, but yeah, we're definitely working on it. And, you know, it's just a matter of fact that as you scale, like you're not going to stay with your first manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, you know, I'm an old CPG guy, so I kind of know how it works and I just (laughs) know having, having, having uh, some backup inventory in a warehouse, having a backup supplier, I mean, these are all things I'm sure you'll you'll work through. Um, Yeah, no, it's super important talking about uh, manufacturing diversification and, you know, I've learned that the hard way and I wish I would have had a friend like you when I first started. (laughs) (laughs) Did the manufacturer, were they also a design company or did you work with a separate designer to get it all, to get the prototype made? How did, how did you do that? That's a great question because I think a lot of people go the path where they're going to have their manufacturer, you know, do the industrial design portion. Yeah. You know, yeah. the person who I am, of course, I didn't do it that way. And I hired my own team and had my own okay. engineers and, you know, and as the designer and the inventor, I would say if you're if you're not the designer inventor, maybe you just have an idea and you're not sure how it's going to come together. That that process probably works for you. But for me, as a design as like a designer and inventor, like I will always hire my own industrial designer first. Mm-hmm. Always, not even okay. a question. Okay, so you had a designer, then you partnered with the manufacturer. Plus, you had a marketing person that helped you do the branding. Um, and are you still using that same marketing agency and or person? Is that still a partnership? Absolutely. He's more on like the, the branding side, you know, versus marketing, but definitely more on the, you know, design branding side. He's amazing. He, I can't, I can't give him enough props. Okay. And plus, you know, just when you vibe with people, like, especially creatively, that's so important. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Do you have any other employees, any other partners? Who else is helping you? So vendors. So we have a lot of vendors, um, which I'm very particular about. Um, I think sometimes people assume I'm just this first time, you know, entrepreneur and they don't realize like, okay, I'm a veteran litigation attorney with 17 years of experience. I've ran teams. Um, you can't bullshit me. And they're a little <laughs> surprised, you know, when you yeah. take them to task, yeah. if they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So lots of vendor teams. Um, we have some groups who, you know, are going to be able to grow with us. Some who, you know, kind of went out in the wash, but, you know, we're kind of on our way. And I think that's another part that people don't talk about enough is sort of, you know, how you round out your team. Like they'll talk about employees, but when you're small, you're usually not having you know, 300 employees out of the gate and that you're using a lot of vendor teams um, Mm -hmm. to to round out your workforce. And people don't talk about that enough and don't talk about enough enough how it's like you're basically managing sometimes 12 teams at a time, you know, as a solo Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Yeah, right. I mean, and not just, I mean, all kinds of vendor slash services, whether it's your tax accountant, your other attorneys, your manufacturing partner, your marketing partner, your insurance person, your label person, I don't I mean, it goes on and on, right? I mean, you got a bunch of yeah. relationships you're managing there. Okay. Okay. Very, very good. But so, so are you taking, are you just burning cash by still investing on this deal? Are you actually, are you post revenue and actually paying yourself? Are you eating ramen noodles? Where are you at with this thing? <laughs> I mean, I had a plan, right? I mean, I knew I was going to float myself, you know, and, okay. and being a lawyer that I was still knew I was going to get some payments, you know, no. you know, on cases that were paying out later. Um, you know, so I had a, and I had a nest egg, I had money to invest, but then I also had money to take care of myself and my family. But at the okay. same time, you know, I, I can't even say that I anticipated how long that runway would be. So no, I'm not paying myself yet. I think it's the one thing that is hard. It's hard. You know, I think like the founder of Tatcha, I mean, I think it came out when they sold to Unilever that she didn't pay herself for like eight to nine to 10 years, something along those lines that maybe it was like eight, seven or eight. 
Um, yeah. You know, so I knew I wasn't going to pay myself for the first few years, right? And had COVID not happened, I'm not sure that I would have, you know, just transitioned off of my law practice. You know, I was, okay. you know, working on that, but I wasn't escalated that timeline for me, <laughs> you know, which was a crazy time. Um, gotcha. You know, anyone gotcha. who had kids and suddenly had, like, I had four kids suddenly at home with me. And I was yeah. in the middle of like training someone and transitioning my law practice at that moment. And it, I mean, it just became crazy town. Uh, but I, back to like paying yourself. I mean, I just don't think I, and I really underestimated probably the time frame. Yes. Are you supplement? Are you, you supplementing? Know. Are you supplementing your personal income right now with doing some lawyer stuff on the side again or no? I mean, there was, there's always been that piece of it in but you do have to, you know, there's the make it or break it moment where you're like, I think I have to take an investor or I have to, you know, I mean, you have to start thinking strategic unless you have a plan to, you know, float yourself for five plus years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's hard. You are doing uh, very well, but it's like paying yourself, you know, that's the part that I probably focusing on. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, thank you for answering that, Kate, and sharing it. Can you still hear me? My, our internet's choppy. There's a, just a little bit, but I think it's on my end, not yours. Um, but I think we're okay. We'll keep going for now. Um, yeah, it's super hard. It always takes longer. It always takes longer than, than anticipated. Um, for, so for the listener, I would just encourage you. Yeah. If you think, if you think you need, if you think you need $50,000 worth of nest egg over to the side to last until you start paying yourself, just go ahead and double it. <laughs> I, I would, I would say, to be honest, you should plan on it being probably 10 times what you initially think between five and 10 times. It's so true. Times that, that baby, you know, then maybe you'll maybe hit that actual mark. No, it's, 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 it's so true. Uh, it just always uh, takes a little bit longer. Um, have you taken on any cash at this point or do you plan on taking on any investors? I'm very particular, you know, which, <laughs> you know, to me like this, I have a vision I have an extremely strong vision, you know, and when I talk to people and they're yawning in the zoom or, you know, seem disengaged, you know, that's just, you know, or make a misogynistic comment, you know, it's probably not going to fly with me, but I've met some really wonderful, really encouraging people who have been so generous with their time and mentoring me and giving me advice. And for where Palette is right now, you know, it's just a matter of scaling and getting to a certain point to work with those people. So really, right. uh, you know, where we are right now is like figuring out a bridge to that path. Um, and so I'm open to talking to the right person, um, but I'm definitely not into like deals that yeah. don't feel right. And and people who <laughs> take those conversations, I would just tell you to stop it. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're already, I mean, you're already up and running, so to speak. In fact, revenue could be probably a lot more if you actually had the inventory. Yes. So exactly. You know. That's where it's like, we're on a beautiful path, mm -hmm. you know, and okay. I'm really excited okay. about it. Sounds to me like you're you're not on a roadshow to raise cash, but hey, if you met the right person and you know you had a few conversations and it really felt good, hey, you might think about it. it sounds like that's where you're at. I think you always have to be open to those conversations. I think it would be silly not to because this person who's done what you've done before. I mean, this in this game, it's all about going as fast as you can, right? Mm -hmm. With the right people. And so always be open to those conversations because, you know, I can't even tell you how maybe you can't work with this person now, but damn, they had great advice and you have such amazing synergy with them. Like, you know, this is how you make friends and this is how you build your network. And who's to say you won't work with them in the next two to five years. So I would say always talk to everyone. I mean, I've heard a couple of people and one is a dear friend of mine and I, I think very highly of her, but she told me that she actually told someone, you know, that they told her to follow up when they got bigger. And she said, well, if you're not going to help me now, I'm never going to talk to you. <laughs> you know, something along yeah. those lines. And I would just say, never burn a bridge. Um, you know, obviously if someone's a jerk, they're a jerk. 
But yeah, if someone's yeah, just right. saying, hey, you're just not in the right spot for us right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, stay in touch with those people. You never know who they're going to introduce you to or what advice they're going to give you down the road. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's my big piece of advice. Okay, very good. Now, you know, these brands, even though you're trying to protect them with patents or trademarks or whatever, I mean, people are going to copy some stuff, you know, they're always going to copy you a little bit, right? There's always competitors. What's the, what is the mission of the brand you're trying to build? Because it sounds to me like you're trying to build a, a consumer product brand. You're not just, Hey, this is not just, Oh, I created the high fiber and I'm going to sell that. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to sell the high fiber to Procter and Gamble or whatever. Yeah. It sounds to me like you have 30 more SKUs and you want to build a brand. What is the mission of the brand that's going to be attractive for, for my wife? Like why will she want to, to buy from Palette? So we're on a huge mission to make beauty reusable. So you know, kind of stemming off with the high fiber as our leading skew to show what we're capable of. Everything that we're doing is going to talk about reducing waste, having refillables, you know, like 95% of that shampoo conditioner. Um, and we're talking full size now, you know, you use face wash, moisturizer, even as a guy, shave cream, shave balm, whatever you're using. Those are not getting recycled 95% of the time. I mean, we're in a huge plastics crisis. And between um, innovators like myself, um, sustainability gurus, you know, we're on a mission to change these things. And, you know, just inventing the high fiber is just one example of how we can take something that's so outdated, the concept of using single-use plastic and then tossing Mm -hmm. it. They're not even getting recycled. They're going in the landfill, you know, just by replacing it with a beauty reusable, just an individual person can replace, you know, what, what did we talk about? If you're an avid traveler, maybe 50 to hundred travel size a year, if not more, I mean, that's a huge Mm -hmm. impact just with one, you know, sustainable beauty swap. And we plan to do that with every category in personal care and beauty. Okay. And are you thinking this is a lifestyle business for me and and, and my kids and uh, some family, or are you thinking I'm going to grow up a, a product brand and flip it and sell it? Or, or have you even thought through that far? Or right now you're just having fun? Well, yeah, first I'm having the time of my life. Honestly, it's like, I'm having a great time doing this. I feel like, you know, how I felt about being a lawyer. I feel like I was born to do this and that these things just come super naturally to me. And so how I envision palette is like, you know, people see us as their friend and as this close, amazing, you know, kind of advisor on a sustainable journey. And, you know, frankly, people say, who cares about sustainability? I think a lot of people care about sustainability. I think more that everyone wants to do the right thing. Everyone wants to do better, right? I mean, I think that's just human nature, but we're also solving problems. Like I can't, people look at the high fiber and they're like, this is what I've been searching for my whole life. Like, why didn't I think of this? You know, this is solving like a problem because you have your curated, you know, beauty and skincare systems at home. And I just gave you something to put it in and leave the house in five seconds, you know, like saving time, saving money, saving space you know, saving the world from single-use plastics. I mean, that's what Palette is about. And so we were problem solvers, but also sustainable. You know, I, I love the word lifestyle, but how I would describe it is just like the better, more happy choice. You know, it's, it's, we okay. have a tagline. It's like a beautiful thing. And I think that's exactly what the high fiver and Palette is. How's your social media following? Do you, do you have a bunch of people talking about it? And um, are you... Are you focused on that at all? Talk to me. I think about it's your super media. important. I think it's super important as a solopreneur, you know, having control of all of your channels and developing all the all of the social channels. It's it's mm-hmm. such an interesting world. Um, obviously, as we grow, we'd love to pull in more people to help us do it. Um, we've strongly mm-hmm. focused on Instagram and Facebook because we feel like that's where we have a lot of synergy with audiences. Um, we've had really amazing press. Um, you know, we've had anywhere, you know, from, you know, real simple, you know, Forbes travel leisure, they named me to like the Forbes 1000 list, which I was like, so excited about, you know, so we had like this most tremendous, like organic, and, you know, amazing press just off our first invention. And like, you can't ask for anything better than that. And like social media. Is that you hustling making phone calls? Or was that your branding person getting you in front of those magazines? Or both? 
So I think it's both. I mean, you really have to, like, we, we were really smart and we hooked up with a, like a PR team um, that helped us with a lot of that. I think that's very important, but it was really me behind the scenes saying, this is our story. This is our positioning and this is how to tell it. And before COVID, we were just, you know, kind of riding this natural high and this natural wave of travel press. But Mm -hmm. then when COVID happened, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you know, like racking their brains what to do and freaking out. We made this some like most amazing pivot during that time because I was mm. like, come on, this is my chance to tell our sustainability story. This is what I've been right. wanting to tell this whole time. And so I made like such a concerted effort. And I think my PR team thought I was a little crazy because they're like, okay, it's COVID. You know, the world's like in this <laughs> terrible, you know, and people are going through a horrible time and you want to tell everyone about sustainability. I'm like, yes. And I can't even <laughs> tell you by that May of 2020, like we were in three different print magazines. We were hitting tons of press marks, just hit, telling our organic sustainability story. It was amazing. It was like one of our best pivots. I love that. No, I, I think it's great. Yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. The social media piece is definitely awesome. You've worked with a lot of outside agencies to get this brand off the ground. Um, how much money do you think you've put in it so far? What do you have? How much have you invested? You think a lot? I don't like to say how much um, is how much it is, <laughs> but you know it's more than it's more than I ever planned on, and it's more than I ever thought. But once you get in it and you see the traction, and and when you when we started developing, you know, like doing our pitch deck and like unraveling the story so that, you know, cause people were like, Hey, we really want to see what you're about. We want to talk to you. And, you know, like, okay, I guess I need a deck, right? <laughs> I guess I need to put together a deck. We put together a deck to talk to some, you know, pretty amazing potential partners. And you start to see what your story is. To me, that was like the most amazing thing because these things have lived in my head and, you know, lived when you see it put all together and you see like the enormity of what, I mean, my plan for Palette is very big and you see the enormity and it's just really exciting. What's been the scariest moment for you? I'm sure there's been a few nights where you're just like, what the hell am I doing? I'm pouring all this money into, I got these four kids dependent on me. I'm a single parent. I've burned X amount of money so far. This had to, there had to be some nights where you're having a few extra glasses of wine going, holy shit. (laughs) I mean, I think it's not just like a few nights. I mean, it's like every other day at times. I mean, there's, there's periods where you're on top of the mountain and then there's periods where you're, you know, down the hill a ways. And you gotta, that's what I think is the most important part about being an entrepreneur. And a lot of people don't like to talk about those moments because it's like, oh, I'm not on top of the hill. I'm not on top. I'm down the hill a ways. I'm rolling down the hill a ways. And this is where the stamina comes in and the the utter sheer belief in yourself. That's where the magic is. And that you're going to keep on going, even when you're rolling down the hill and you're going to pick yourself back up and you're going to keep believing in yourself. That's what makes an entrepreneur. Mm, I totally agree. Who's your go-to person right now? Is it your sister? You said you're close to, you call your sis. You're like, Hey sis, I got a need event. Or is it your mom, dad? Who is it? Who, who are you calling right now? I mean, I have a couple of mentors that check in on me. I mean, when people reach out to you to see if you're okay, yeah, I mean, it's especially mentors who are doing great, right? They're, they're like on top of the mountain. They're not even on a hill. They're like on the top of the mountain. They reach out to you and they're like, how you doing sis? You know, that is invaluable. I have a network of really amazing girlfriends. My sister's amazing, you know, but oftentimes, you know what the funniest advice is? It's my kids. They're like, well, are you going to die? No. Okay, good. We're all good here. <laughs> you know, they're like, what is your problem? Like, why are you crying? You know, like, like pick, pick yourself up, girl. You know, so it's just but being strong funny. for them. I mean, you know, being strong for them as a mom, too. I mean, you I can just see, I can almost visualize you. Okay, you got the four kids are all in there getting breakfast or whatever. They're getting ready for school. You're in your bedroom. You're having a panic attack. And you're just like, you're trying to, okay, okay. let me just, let me just walk out here and feel be confident (laughs) well there's that too but there's also like when you and this is a bit serious but it's true like when you've gone through something really traumatic in your life and you know how short life is I mean you you do tend to remember and you're like I'm doing this for a reason and if I were to die tomorrow or in 10 years would I regret this no no I wouldn't so to me that's the ultimate litmus test of like 
what is my life and how much experience can I get before I die? <laughs> it's like, yeah. That is my basic litmus test. And I also have really realized that the journey is the reward. It's not trying to reach some endpoint. It's the experience and the journey. That's the rose in all of it. And if you can mm-hmm. remind yourself of that in those moments when you're very quickly rolling down the hill. Um, <laughs> that's really great advice, Kate. I want to want to emphasize that. I know we're almost out of time. That's a great that's a great way to kind of summarize. Yeah, it, you know, if you're thinking, oh, if I just get to this point, or if I can, if I just get to here, or if I can just buy this house, or if I can just get this car, or if I can just get this product launched, or whatever mark you've set, you know, people get in their heads like, oh, if I can just get to that point, then everything will be fine. It's, it's not really about that. It really, because when you get to that point, there's going to be another one, right? So it is about the journey. It's not about just getting to this certain point in life. It really isn't. It's about the experience. It's all about the experience for me. <laughs> it, it really is. But in those, those moments rolling down the hill, you know, where you might not be as clear, just reminding yourself that the journey is the reward. And like, I like to have little reminders, like my cup is like anything is possible, you know, like have these little things around you just to sort of, you know, give you that little reminder, give you that little kick in the ass. Okay. So just wrapping up here for the listeners, um, palette, palette by pack.com. Um, so what do they do right now? They can go there, they can follow your brand. Um, what if, so if they put something in the cart, does it go on a back order or what, what are they, what are you telling them right now? No, right. We have inventory right now. So oh, we're, okay. we're burning through it, but we have inventory now. Okay. All right. So very good. So they can place their orders right now, not on Amazon, but you'll probably go back to Amazon when you get the right inventory. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think you should not rule out Amazon as a channel. Yeah. I mean, you really, I mean, I know everybody, you know, we could do a whole episode on that, that too. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know Amazon takes their cut and all that, but it, it's hard to be a product company and not be on Amazon. Right. I mean, you know, so yeah, I totally get it. All right. Very good. By, by the way, this trademark, do you have this trademark, this, uh, this for all your goops, glops and glam? Is that, I like that. Yes. Oh, yes, we have good. we have we have quite a bit of trademarks going on. I'm, I'm a big I believer in trademarks. I saw that. Yeah, I like it. No, I like it. I love the hey, the website's great. Love the love the product. I also, you know, just want to continue to encourage you. Um, your story is awesome, right? I think, I think there's lots of container companies. I'm sure there are. You could do a million different, but but people like the brand. People like the story. People want to connect to the story uh and you have a really good story especially with the stuff you've you've overcome and you've gone through i think that's a very unique story so and you're super passionate you're super energetic and that's all contagious uh for the for the buyers so uh keep doing it keep doing it (laughs) thank you that means a lot to me you know just keeping it real over here and we're super lucky that yeah, super lucky. We're super lucky and grateful all the support we've had. And we have really amazing customers and we can't wait to see what happens next. 